Mob Talk with Talia Little. All right, um, before we begin today, I would like to acknowledge the people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording today. I would also like to acknowledge the families out there hurting. I know there's been um, a passing of a young, young, beautiful girl I used to work with and I just want to acknowledge the strength of that girl and the courage um, she taught me. So, yeah, um, today we are in the studio, the studio I'd like to call it, uh, with Lil PGZ. Lil PGZ, how you going? Yeah, good. Um, not many people call me Lil PGZ. <laughs> we were actually having this conversation before you came because, so your DJ name is DJ... PGZ, yeah. PGZ, right? And I, for so long, thought it was a little pit. No, I thought it was DJ Pigs. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, yeah, yeah, his his DJ name's DJ Pigs, and I was like, oh my god, that actually makes sense. It's not that; it's DJ PGZ. Yeah, from the Instagram name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some people call it other things. Some things that are not appropriate to say. Um, some very appropriate, but yeah, DJ PGZ or PGZ. PGZ. Wherever yeah. you are in the world right now, you can say it however you want. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, yeah, I'm looking at it and I'm like, I like that. DJ PGZ. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's like a good, that little PGZ reminds me of back in the day when you had like T-Pain introducing stuff. Yeah, that's it. Like I kind of, cause, you know, I'm not a little guy, so it's kind of, it was like a little joke on that. And yeah. You know, people like had funny Instagram handles. It's It hasn't changed. And I'm like, oh, if I change it, people won't know who I am anymore. Yeah, no, nah, it's, a, it's a good handle. Mine used to be, when I first got Instagram, Miss Tiny T. <laughs> like shame job. Yeah. Glad I've uh, like when everyone started their first that. hotmail account. Yeah. Oh, first hotmail account, super fab girl two thousand. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Right. Mine is Paul is the man, <laughs> <laughs> but with that's two ends. Names. Oh my god. Um. So let's kind of start off. Tell me a bit about yourself. Where's your mob? Where are you from? Yeah. So um, I'm Gunai Kerner and Yorta Yelda and um. Uh, my mob's from Eastern Victoria, where Bansdale, Lake Ties, Banyana, so that's Gunai Kerno and Yorta Yorta. Um, yeah, a lot of people are familiar with like the Shepparton region and that kind of stuff, and Maroubra and Central Queensland. Uh, Central Queensland, Central Victoria, sorry. Um, but I um, grew up in Queensland, which is why I mentioned Queensland just then. Um, also, on, you didn't grow up in Melbourne. I didn't grow up in Melbourne. No, yeah, so moved up that way when I was about two or three with the family and um, my mum remarried a, uh, a Gurang Gurang man and um, yeah, we spent a bit of time on Gurang Gurang country, which is where Bundaberg is uh, um, and people might be familiar with Bundaberg. Like the alcohol? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say something. I was like, beer. oh, shame job. I don't want to say that because like, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. um, so that comes from there? Comes from there, yeah. Oh, yeah I didn't yeah, know yeah. that. That's really interesting. Yeah, and then, you know, then we moved down south towards um, uh, uh, Yagara and Tourable Country, uh, which is Brisbane um, or Mianjin. And, yeah, that's where I did, did all my schooling and finished my school. Yeah. Oh, true. So then what, where did you go from there? Did you move down to Melbourne straight away? Like, did you go to uni? So what happened was I um, had a bit of a gap year and, you know, uh, got kind of um, just kind of figuring stuff out. And then we kind of 
had a bit of a, a meeting, me and my mum, and mum was like, oh, you should go down to Melbourne. All our family's down there. Um, your grandfather lives down there. He, he's he's an old fellow, but he's like still got a lot of, a bit more time. You can get to get to spend more time with him and go to uni and all that kind of stuff. So um, it was kind of like a new and exciting adventure, and you know, kind of coming back down here somewhere I haven't lived in over you know 15 16 years so it was it was nice to come down um and get involved and i came down to study um a bachelor of arts and do uh uh, become a high school teacher eventually oh so that's the goal that was the goal that was the goal okay it is the goal when i'm like you know more into my 30s but i think at that time i was like kind of just doing um uh just going with the flow and kind of doing what was like, you know, it was like an idea that my mum had and mum was like trying to um, get me interested in like doing, like getting, like learning again. Yeah. 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 So. What did you want to teach so, as a high school teacher? Well, I was going to teach history and theatre. So, because I was like a drama kid at school and. Um, Love drama. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. yeah it was hard. like. It's, yeah. It's like, uh, it's funny. My, um, my old year 12 drama teacher sent me a message out of the blue recently and because, um. My mum released a, a book called Black and Blue a, a couple of weeks ago and she read it, my, my my drama teacher, and she messaged me being like, oh, I read your book. Like, you know, I always knew you were like really deadly, but I didn't, you know. I always knew you were really <laughs> deadly, but not that deadly. Yeah, yeah. She, but she's like, oh, I didn't know your mum was deadlier than you. Nah, <laughs> nah, she didn't say that. But um, yeah, it was cool to hear from her again. And, and it, yeah, it was good to know that I wasn't like um, some rascal for her. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so I kind of just wanted to do that, but then it just kind of uh, led to something else, I guess. Yeah. What was your mum's book about? So my mum uh, wrote a book about her life as a black woman uh, and uh, in the police as well. So it's called Black and Blue. And so she's a police officer. She was a police officer. Okay, cool. Yeah, so yeah. it talks about her journey as a police officer and how she kind of ended up becoming an like an abolitionist and someone who's quite anti-police at the moment. Um, so she went from being a police officer to then being anti-police. Yeah. So just like a bit of a journey there, and like you know, as the you know everyone, a lot of people in the last decade um, have like kind of learnt a bit more about how there's a lot more resourcing around you know the effects of policing communities and um especially on aboriginal communities in so-called australia and you know we don't we, we don't have to look too far to kind of um have like a, 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 a an overview of where policing has interfered with aboriginal lives here in australia um yeah so my mum was a cop and she um you know was joining for the reason to make sure that our people weren't getting um harsh treatment or arrested on the street for like no reason um she wanted to look out for a lot of aboriginal women especially uh, be the first person because when you when something goes wrong a lot of the people call the, the cops because it's a first point of call to kind of uh, deal with an issue that's like beyond us and you know my mum wanted to be the first person there especially for black women who experience domestic violence um, or other things and um, uh, she you know she got to know she got to work in 
kind of like a place like Preston in Brisbane uh, or Reservoir where there's a lot of black followers. So, you know, mum was making a lot of relationships with these people. But near the end of her time at the police, I think it started to become more apparent that um, this place, it, the place she works at is very racist, misogynistic, um, and also, you know, is mistreating our people around the country and not just in that state of Queensland. So, yeah, she, she wrote a book about it and she also spoke about, you know, her time growing up as an Aboriginal woman being young and all the things she'd witnessed over a time or things that had happened to her. And it's kind of like a memoir. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty powerful. That's deadly. Yeah. So you've read it? I haven't read it. I'm actually going to read it in a couple of weeks <laughs> when I catch a plane to Perth. So, What are you, uh, what are you going for Perth for? Uh, I'm actually going over to Perth because uh, my partner, her um, dad lives there and yeah. um, I've got a few DJ sets while I'm over there as well. Oh, so, sick. Yeah, going to be doing that. Yeah. So just because you mentioned DJ sets, you're obviously um, big in the music scene. <laughs> Not Le- that big. No, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like you've got you've got a lot of things going for you. you you're a man wearing many hats. <laughs> yeah, I wear a few different like, hats. You probably like, see me yep. in three different hats every time you see yeah. me. No. So um, tell us a bit about that. How did you start? Did you always have a passion for DJing or music? Like where did that begin? Um, so yeah, I've been making music for a little while and I was, uh, performing, um, it's quite funny. Like if you look at my musical journey to where I am from where I started, I first played as a vocalist in my high school band. Uh, we did Parkway Drive covers and, or Rage Against Machine covers and we're called Coronation Drive, which is like a main street in Brisbane, um, kind of like bell street or like punt road um yeah and we were like oh this is kind of cool but yeah i was the vocalist so my journey started with hardcore music quite heavy um and that kind of like led me down the path of like i've already had a lot of anger come out i was a teenager um and then i started to want to listen to more like relaxing music as i got a bit older and i was like into hip-hop and a bit of indie rock so um as I got into like, you know, started getting into my 20s, I was also a drummer. I started drumming when I was 12. And um, when I got into um, uni, I started trying to look for bands to play with um, and found some bands to play with and um, met some people at parties and started playing for like a indie folk band. Um, which is kind of funny to look at back now because if you looked it up, I'm not going to tell you the name of the band because it's kind of it's kind of funny. But we're, we're good. I but. have a feeling. Wait, what? What's the name? Nah, you're getting me to say the name, but no, um, okay. Right. It was named after um a, a cheese company called Pepper Jack. <laughs> <laughs> so like one of the band members, she used to um work at an IGA in the city before, like because she was a teacher, but she was like couldn't get a job as a teacher. So we, um, yeah, she ended up like, like we're doing music on the side together and we're making like indie folk music and it was pretty funny. I um, cannot imagine you doing indie folk music. Yeah, I know. Well, I just wanted to perform. I, I was like yeah. drummer. I just wanted to drum anywhere. And that kind of kickstarted like me playing drums a bit more, especially in Melbourne. Um, and then, yeah, I ended up leaving that band um, and, you know, we've got one – uh, kind of recording 
EP that, you know, is a witness of my time with them, I guess. You can kind of like look back at that and be like, oh, Paul did that. But Definitely um, going to have to have a listen. <laughs> you might like it. If you like that kind of music, it might be a thing. But I guess like, you know, I left the band before we could really like do more with the band, I guess. But um, yeah, and then after that, kind of just didn't play music for a while and I just kind of got hit up to um, – uh, Actually, I'm, I'm, I'll tell the DJ story. So then after that, I was kind of like interested in DJing, but um, I was collecting like a record collection for over a couple of years. And it kind of, I was like, oh, I really want to start sharing the music that I've got now. Um, I've been collecting music. I bought a few records when I was over in Europe as well. Um, so I was like, oh, maybe I'll like get into DJing. And then eventually I started DJing at bars and it kind of just started to you know like getting booked more and more because they started to you like, were DJing with records yeah all records yeah, cool, yeah. just yeah. like kind of um like hip-hop like neo soul afrobeat like 60s 70s like That's funk what music section eight does a lot of yeah, that yeah, yeah yeah um and i was like playing at section eight howler and a lot of my favorite djs were playing there like at these all these places and i was like oh i want to be able to do what they're doing so i started doing what they're doing and then eventually i was like oh i want kind of want to start making people dance like i want like a different audience and by that time i was going to the the nightclubs a lot hitting a lot of like techno bars clubs and a lot of my like friendship circle really loved electronic and dance music so um i was kind of like all right maybe i'll start like trying to play this kind of music and then eventually i started getting booked on things and one of the first DJ sets I did where I was doing like a club set was at an abandoned warehouse in Brunswick. Um, and So was that was that like a legal thing or like an actual abandoned warehouse? Um, uh, for have- for, for uh, legal reasons, <laughs> I can't say. <laughs> okay, yep. Um, yep. But yeah, it was cool. It, w- it, it was like pretty awesome. Brunswick always has warehouse parties. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know if you mean like an actual warehouse party or just like a... Yeah, it was one of those ones where like... It just happened. It happened and, you know, my name was on the poster, but I kind of wish it wasn't because, you know, but it was good. It was, it was deadly to be at. And it was like part of a community that's like putting on like DIY events, which are really important for the community especially it was also a fundraiser as well um but yeah that was one of the big like the the like first sets that i did like to, and that was techno it was techno stuff and it was and then um i think that same year i got booked for dark mofo as well which is down in hobart but they're also cancelled so we can't mention them if if you're familiar with what happened they um they were gonna showcase a piece which was like the Union Jack with Aboriginal people's blood on it. <gasps> oh, you I saw remember it. Yeah. that. Yeah. So that festival sort of thing now. It's still happening. But you're just not going. Yeah. I think a lot of like the artist community have just been like, nah, we're not being involved with what it. What was that? That was he wanted to do a piece of art with members of the community's blood on it, wasn't it? And, and he didn't was, even know us. It's like the weird yeah. thing is like he has no relationship with any of us. It was just so like. it's not like it's a piece of art in our favour to tell our story or something. No, nah, it was more just so he can look like a progressive guy that's like pushing like some that sort of can- envelope. Did you see that, Dion? Yeah. 
<laughs> that was crazy when that came out. Yeah. I was very confused. A lot of things come out almost every week and then Well, yeah, they pass, that was like so. a series of events. And I, I barely partook in that conversation, but it didn't even need me to be like, hey, this is wrong. Because yeah. there were like com- community from down in Tasmania that were like, hey, this is wrong. We're not going to support it. You should have spoken to us before. Even was that in Tas? Yeah, it was in Tasmania, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So and because they're mob from Tasmania, that a lot of awful stuff happened to Palawan mob. So even there, like the positioning of it, that would have been really awful. It was really bad, yeah. And you know, they made an example of this piece, and hopefully, going forward, no one does that the again. Festival doesn't do something yeah. like that again. But apparently, they'd been working on that project for two years, so there was already like it'd been in motion for a long time. So it's kind of oh, like. Wow. You could have maybe thought about this a couple of years ago and you wouldn't have been in this situation. Did they consult with people? Well, there's claims that they were, but um, I guess like the people who needed to hear about it definitely didn't know about it until yeah. it was released. So anyways, that, that's, that's, um, that's, that happened, but I played at that festival and then I've done a few other festivals like Strawberry Fields Festival. And oh, then- I love strawberry. When did you go there? Uh, I did three years in a row. It would have been a couple of years ago, but this was actually before I was doing my um, kind of like techno stuff. It was like when I was a bit more on the like kind of funky house kind of tip and a bit more like, yeah, yeah, different, different styles. Yeah. As an Aboriginal person going to festivals, I believe that strawberry in my eyes have a fair few of the ones I've been to is the most progressive. Mm. Like you go there, they always have, they have welcomings, like oh, they have a welcoming at the start and then they have an acknowledgement every day. And then they have at the other stage, they have heaps of Aboriginal artists play, big Aboriginal flag, like, and a lot of the stuff about trying to be sustainable and keeping everything clean. Like, yeah. 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 It's really good. Yeah. I like, I like the festival and it's because it's done on Yorta Yorta country. Um, you know, I worked with Dreaming Now, you who had been he programmed uh, a portion of that festival over the course of like a couple of years and has really shaped reshaped the direction of that festival and you know you probably experienced it as all these kind of things have started like changing yeah um so were you going to that kind of were you performing there before that during that or after about during that yeah and a bit before um, so I, I went there playing with Dreaming Now and Kian back in 2019. I would have been there. Yeah, you would have been there. Deadly. You probably saw us performing yeah. there. Yeah. If you if that was the year you were there because it was on one of the stage. I think it's called like the Tea Lounge or something like that. Yeah, they have – there's the, there's like two main stages and then there's another stage which has most like the bands and the funky jazz music and stuff. And then there's like a little yoga room, I think, and the beach stage. Yeah. Yeah, it's good though because there's a lot of different hangout spaces and, um, you know, it's not hard to find your friends if you get lost, I think. Yeah. It's pretty cool at nighttime. I really like what they did with the lighting. It's like yeah. really it's, – it's quite an – if you go in there, you're like, you, it's like you got to take on the whole experience itself. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, as an Aboriginal person as well, to go to a space like that and feel ex- like accepted – yeah. Almost or like acknowledged, you know, like everything that's happened to our people, but especially being on Yorta Yorta country, like it's pretty special to have dancers there and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. It's a nice, it's a nice festival. Hopefully they, they keep going. Yeah. 
Do you feel like the music scene is becoming more progressive in terms of inclusiveness with, I guess, Aboriginal people and other minority groups? Um, well, this is funny you asked that because last year there was a conversation about this, which was uh, around the Black Lives Matter movement that was really peaking last year. And there was conversations around um, the the music industry because they, they were the ones that kind of kick-started those black tiles that everyone was posting on the Instagram. But it was a lot of people posting, reposting, sorry, posting these Instagram tiles but before have never said anything about Black Lives Matter movement and haven't said anything about Black Lives Movement since. So it kind of like um, raised a lot of questions. And last year I had, you know, I was part of a few conversations that critiqued that that movement of um, the music industry. And after that, they kind of, there was a lot of responses to it. But um, to answer your question in short, I think, there's a lot more work to do that the music industry needs to do. But, I mean, where we are in the world, um, I think Australia is one of the places that are pushing Indigenous people, people's music a bit more forward. Um, when you, If you looked at Turtle Island, so-called USA, you would kind of be like, hey, where are the First Nations mob representation? Um, there's, I think there's, uh, you know, there's more that could be happening over there. Um, and I, 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 I bet, you know, the native mob and first nations mob from over that way can speak better on that than I can. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Cool. So bringing it back to your DJ, the DJ side of your life. So you were at Strawberry Fields and that was one of the first festivals you were playing yeah, at. Yeah. Yeah. And then where, what happened from there? Like, how did you start escalating? So, you know, I mentioned earlier that I was going to the, a lot of the nightclubs and, you know, meeting different people and, you know, people uh, start hearing a bit of like, you know, a buzz of like, who's this person? What are they doing? And I felt like at that time, you know, playing at Strawberry and then at Dark Mofo, I kind of wasn't playing the kind of music I really wanted to play. I was kind of like, oh, where do I find the, like the artists that I really want to support? And, you know, you get hit up to do uh, mixes by different, like, labels or crews. And, um, you know, I've got hit up by a few different people. And over the over the course of each mix that I've done, you know, you have to do a bit of preparation. And, you know, I kind of think about what kind of artists I really want to showcase um, and who I want to support, what sound I'm going for, what sound, what direction I'm going in. Um, and... You know, after doing mixes with like people like Bizarro, Butter Sessions, um, uh, you know, Triple J, it kind of like I started figuring out like what sound am I presenting it to? Like, who are the audience, and who who how how are they going to respond to this in the best way? Um, and because I've been DJing for a little while now, I kind of feel like uh, I'm at a point where I can just play anything and people might like it. But yeah, ever since then, you know, it's been a journey and I've been lucky to be able to play some places. And I think at the moment there's like a bit of a growing support within the underground community to support 
black followers within the music <laughs> yeah. space. So, yeah, 100%. So it feels like that's been part of the thing as well. Plus also they might think I'm, I'm good at what I do as well. Yeah, yeah. That, that too, <laughs> that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, like we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, the 4D Festival, you know, you, Lil PGZ, um, I was talking to him about, no, you messaged me, I think, about the festival, we were having a yarn, and um, said that, you know, all mob, all black fellas, yeah. Get free tickets. Like, what? That, well, that's crazy. Well, that's the thing. Like, these kind of events, like, prioritize uh, Aboriginal participation as well as audience. So, you know, um, events like that. And there's, like, more, like, popping up that they will always give free entry to black followers. And it doesn't matter if they lose money. They'll, like, they'll be like, hey, we want Aboriginal people to be coming to this. Doesn't matter where you live, where you're from, hit us up. And if you can make it, come. Or you can give that ticket to someone else, but they'll put your name on the door. And it started to really grow and like create this kind of shift in thinking for people because it's kind of like if we're, if it's like the least that, you know, a lot of people can do. Yeah. It's not like their part. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's not like, you know, giving us back our land, but it's like, it's a small part of reparations. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, um, it's, in a, it's a move in that direction. It's, it's changing the thinking to be like, hey, um, we need to be doing more. So I think it's been really cool to see. Yep. Do you feel like that's more of a northern city kind of thing? Like northern suburbs of Melbourne? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I kind of get that vibe because on the Mornington Peninsula, it's not, it's not like that because <laughs> most of them are white. Yeah. Like you walk around there, there's actually no, like it's not multicultural is what I mean. Yeah. Not just black fellas. So whereas like in a city, that's just everyone's kind of accepting and multicultural and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It's also happening in the West, like a bit of like Footscray area, like they're doing it over there. And, you know, it's not just it's not just the white people that are like making sure it's like there's other black and brown people that aren't Aboriginal that are like making sure there's space and room to bring us involved in their stuff. And... You know, we don't always have to participate in whatever we get asked to do, but um, it's, yeah, it's like, it shows some form of progression, um, which is like, you know, not every city can say that they're doing this or that like, they're like- For sure. You know what I mean? So I feel yeah. like Melbourne, for from my experience, I can't really make an educated uh, opinion on this, but I feel like Melbourne's probably the most progressive state in um Australia just in terms of inclusiveness and mm. um, I guess that maybe that's got to do with the music and art scene, you know, like music, art and sport. Well, Melbourne's – I love Melbourne. I think it's the best. No, I'm, um, So maybe that's got to do with that. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. It's like – I guess like there's a lot of things for everyone, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. If you like sport, there's sport. Music, You can art, be whoever theater, you want to be. It's just food. accepted but there's – yeah, like, you know, there's deadly, go, deadly food out there for the mob, like um, Mabu Mabu. I don't know if you've been, been there. there nah. Torres Strait Islander, like, cuisine. Um, yeah. You know they what's make also, a good sop there, yeah. I'll have to hit it up. Um, you know what's also pretty deadly? Section 8. Yeah. Going there and seeing the big Aboriginal flag. True. Have you been there and seen I that? Have been, I haven't been there in ages. That's cool. They, um... 
I know one of the guys that runs the place and he... Yeah, it's deadly. Like they have... Uh, Clothing the Gap has had events there, like uh, clothing events and stuff there before, but they have a big Aboriginal flag and every time I go there, like just to see in a public space, the flag, it just is like... And there's no Australian flag hanging there. Not that that's... I don't want to put my views on anything, but, you know, there's a big Aboriginal flag there and it's just pretty deadly to see, like in the music industry. It's cool. And like, for example... um. I love Skin on Skin. Oh, did you go see him when he came? Yeah. So I went to his Melbourne concert and he had James, James, James playing. Oh, cool. And yeah, he, yeah. he's super deadly too. Um, but to see like on Demelia's socials, her working with Skin on Skin. Like yeah, seeing she's that, doing a set this weekend. Yeah. Seeing that Aboriginal representation of like a girl, for me that's just crazy because I've – I go to all of these events and I never see any Aboriginal people. Like I was saying to you, maybe I'm just not in the right spots yeah. or maybe they're just being underrepresented there. But to be like, oh, holy shit, like that's that's an Aboriginal DJ. Like that's lit. Yeah, she's killing it. Like I'm a big fan of Demila. Yeah. Yeah, she's really cool. I wanted to come to, I wanted to keep coming to Melbourne. I haven't had a chance to see her. You will. There will be a time. Eventually. Yes, there will yep. be a time. We'll make it happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, So... Like I was having a bit of a yarn to you before the podcast, can you explain a bit about the recovery? Is it recovery? Oh, residency. Residency, recovery. yeah. So um, there's a place called Mess in North Melbourne and it's like a um, electronic synth uh, uh, kind of library slash museum um, and it's the biggest one synth collection in the southern hemisphere and they have a lot of rare synthesizers that's a hard one to say especially when i've got a lisp um synthesizers electric electronic like equipment that's like quite rare and only unique to like some parts of the world and um and only some people have access to it and there's some that you know there's only like hundred of them you know that have ever been made or maybe even less and they've got all this equipment and they rent they're running this residency i think in collaboration with creative victoria um where they were able to secure some funding to pay people to come and work on some music over two weeks and um you know i was luckily to, you know i've never been part of a residency like this before um and i've been producing music for a number of years but never really releasing anything so it's going to be kind of cool to be able to work on something on this like world-class like instruments but also with the support of them because i don't know how to use some of the instruments either so yeah that's what i was thinking yeah. is that you'd be surrounded by all of these new things how are you gonna do it <laughs> it's gonna be cool i think like um yeah i think i'm one of like two black followers that are part of that um program but how did that happen? Like that's a that's a pretty great like opportunity. Yeah, I guess like they were talking about how like you know there's been a huge hit on the music industry, and there's not a lot of spaces for like up and coming or emerging electronic acts to kind of have a space to work on their music. Um, plus, they wanted to give people money that have like you know lost money income for for a variety of reasons like. So, yeah, it's it's really cool um, to be able to have the opportunity to do this, yeah. Where is that base? So, it's in North Melbourne, yeah. It's really nice. It's like, um, if you know where the meat market or Il Bidgery Theatre Company is? No, I don't. Is that near the Queen Victoria markets? Yeah, not far. 
Yeah, cool. That's a pretty deadly opportunity. Yeah, it'd be really good. It'd be really so good. So then, do you release it afterwards? So they're gonna Is that have a part a comp- of the yeah, deal. Yeah, it's part yeah. of the deal. Yeah. So they master mix and master a track for you, and they put it on their compilation album that they're gonna put out. Um, so if they make any CDs, I'll send out to you. Please do. That'd be. <laughs> I don't sick. know if I'll do it on CD. They'll probably put it on vinyl, maybe. Yeah. Which will be even cooler. That would be even cooler. Or maybe just digital. Either way, I'll either send way, it to just you. send it. <laughs> so, have you got any of your own tracks back at home? Like, are you still are you mixing your own things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I've got a few tracks like in the vault that I've been working on, and you know, I'm talking to a few different people about releasing some music through them. So, um, hopefully, that happens. I reckon in the next like three to six months, I'll be releasing something. Yeah. So you're a DJ, but you're also an event organizer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can you tell uh, people who don't know a bit about Black Ice? Yeah. And what you mob are doing? So Black Ice is like, uh, it's a black duo, me and this other black person um, working on um, throwing parties that we want to go to that end at a a really good hour so you know a lot of things end like after 4 a.m or 5 a.m um which i'm i would love to i still love going to but because ehab who i work with you know they're a couple years older than me so they like to finish their night by like 2 a.m at the latest so um we're throwing these parties that we like and also with people that we think are deadly um you know for example like soju gang um is on the next one and we had her for the first one as well but we, we had to get her back um and we we had Demila for the first one as well which was really cool and um you know we're, we're, we're all about just like promoting black artists i guess yeah it's cool black in general not just aboriginal right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So black yeah yeah black globally yeah that's that's actually really cool i love kind of coming together and supporting the black community as a whole as well yeah like it's deadly being black and then seeing another black person and being like hey we're yeah, all pretty deadly it. yeah and like the cool thing about that is like they acknowledge our blackness as well yeah. and um you know it's, it's been really cool to see like especially you know growing up you know, um you know, you go to a school and it's like a lot of white fellows there and there might be some other black people there, but because there's like cultural differences, we never like talked about it. But then as you get older, it's like we speak about it and we realize we have a lot more in common. Like we're both like dispossessed. We're both like oppressed. We're also like into really cool shit. And we're also like, you know, our families, we got big families. Like, Yeah, big families is like the main connection. Everyone has like 43 cousins or something. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And then it kind of like, you know, we realise that we all grew up on the same music, like, you know, like Nelly or like oh. um, Missy Elliott or something like that, you know, like it's it's kind of cool. Like Neo, Akon. Akon, yeah, <laughs> that takes me back. Um, but, yeah, so... We're running these events. There, um, the next one. Um, I don't know when this is airing, but it's going to be on the twenty eighth of May at the Gasometer. Uh, on a Friday night. On a Friday night, yeah. starts at ten pm, goes to two thirty pm. Uh, two thirty. That's a good time. Yeah. So you can go and get dinner and hang out, and then you can come and have a dance. And yeah, we've got this really deadly DJ who's over from Aotearoa, Half Queen, um, who's like absolutely killing it. And just like the most like vibrant person you can see like behind the decks. Really? Yeah, just like they love what they do. It's awesome. So it's for the people listening, a techno vibe. Or no, a- it's like kind of like 
soul, Afro. It's like Afrobeat, R&B, kind of like hip hop, trap. Like it's not just, yeah, this is different to like my DJing techno stuff. No, it's it's cool to see that because it's funny. I, um, cause I go to a couple of those events and to see everyone dancing in a techno space to like an Afro beats kind of like R&B vibe is so different. You forget how to dance. Like you, go, I went to Skin on Skins event, Skin on Skins event, and I was looking around at people. It's like everyone doesn't know. Everyone just fist pumps. Like it's a fist pumping thing. <laughs> yeah. Like you know what I mean. Like this, and then you go to an Afro thing and more body. Hey, it's yeah. like your whole body's shaking. Everyone, yeah. and I was like, oh, this is deadly. Like you don't actually realize how different the culture is. Yeah. At both of those events. Yeah. But the thing is also like, you know, going back to the techno thing, like, you know, we've been programmed to think that it's like this white style of music. But originally techno was created by black people in Detroit and has this long history of black people being part of it. And at the moment I feel like it's kind of like for me I was – kind of like awakened by this you know this history um and unfortunately we don't get told about it when we learn about it because um the music's like so different to hip-hop and not as easily accessible and it doesn't it wasn't played on the radio like when we were growing up you know what i mean yeah no i never it was like Oh, Calvin Harris or something growing up. <laughs> yeah, like you, that we kind thought it was music. a white person that makes yeah. this kind of dance music. Yeah. Yeah. But if you listen to a Missy Elliott and Timberland track, um, I'll have to send it to you. Yeah, please do. Um, they sample a techno joint from the late 80s. Really? Yeah. It's The Detroit, like the background of Detroit and techno, is that more... I remember I got into a couple of their track, like a couple of those kind of tracks last year just to read jig my mind what do, what is that kind of sound is it more like jumping and not jumping but like i don't know how to yeah it's not like techno. It, sounds, it sounds like it's from the future like really robotic and like yeah i don't know how to explain <laughs> it i think i like it's like a robot like kind of like music that a robot would listen to yeah a lot of people would think that that's for a robot but it's like made for us as also as well you know what yeah. i mean it's funny how much music actually connects people i was thinking about this the other day and like i think my personal opinion on this would be oh one music is one of the biggest things that connects people like every time i have my phone i'm listening to music like most people are yeah you know it's what we connect to it's what we move to and when you think about it we all meet on a saturday night or a friday or a thursday or whatever and go and dance like it's just it's very like central to people's everything. social experience yeah yeah even like in our culture you know we would uh you know, we do dancing and singing and that was a massive part of our storylines and all of that. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, when you meet up with uncles or aunties and your uncle pulls out the guitar and, you know, they're singing until like, you know, five o'clock in the morning, you know, the kid's trying to sleep. But like, you know, that's like a, that's a concert as well, you know, for us as well. Someone was talking about that recently, actually. I saw like, we shouldn't see our first concerts as like something we saw at a venue. Like a lot of our first concerts were like our uncles performing their songs to us. Yeah. Or like the covers that they would sing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that was like what I grew up with a lot with my uncles just like playing their own music, you know, just like at f- just like practicing for when they had their gigs, but they mm-hmm. never had gigs. <laughs> <laughs> they had like a few gigs, but it was like, 
yeah, they had their times when they were trying to get into into music, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it was it was a different time back then. I think like especially like you know the world we live in now. If you're young and you're good at using the internet, like. Oh, you can you get, can get your stuff out there, like yeah. anywhere. Yeah. Well, I think like one of my favorite artists is Georgia Smith. Oh yeah. And I remember her saying she didn't even have a label. I I could be wrong for anyone who's listening to this, but I'm pretty sure she didn't have a label when she released Blue Lights. Have you listened? Have you heard? I that haven't song? heard that, but I've listened to a lot of her music. Blue Lights yeah. is, it's amazing. Yeah, it's about being black and kind of having your run-ins with the police. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a Blue Lights. Yeah. It's, it's really deadly. You should listen to it. But, you know, she released that song on SoundCloud and, autumn, like, that was her ticket to fame pretty much. So it's crazy. Like, you don't really have to be – well, you don't really necessarily have to be signed to anyone to get your name out. And she got that kind of housey vibe too, eh? Like, where it's, like, jungly. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Because she's Jamaican. I think yeah. She, no, Jamaican? Yeah. I think she's Jamaican. So yeah. her new music, there's a song called Bust Down and it's got that really, like, Ooh. reggae reggae vibe to it it's really cool so check that check out check it out alright yeah. I'm gonna check it out <laughs> um, so filmmaker yeah yeah what's yeah. this about I didn't have time to check it out but um, Young Mob questioning treaty questioning treaty can you talk a bit about this yeah so um, me and my cousin Tarnine Ernest Williams we um, uh, created this documentary that were well, part of like actually uh, uh, four people that were selected or four projects that were selected to do a um, documentary on the topic of treaty. Cause um, I guess like in 2019, there was like the NADOC theme was treaty or like we voice treaty truth or something like that. Yeah, I think it was 2019, yeah, yeah. or 20. Well, one was, of them. Well, one of them, one of the years, there was like, yeah, there was, that was the theme and SBS and NITV along with Film Victoria were, um, uh, commissioning people to create these documentaries, very short documentaries, um, but uh, they selected us and we uh, interviewed uh, um, Jetta Patton, Indy Clark from Korea Youth Council and Sissy Austin. Um, and we wanted to get the view of young black followers who, uh, you know, have a, have, have a position on the the. Uh, treaty in Victoria, for example, um, especially Victorian blackfellas, um, because uh, at that time, this, yeah, there was the theme, but also it was like a huge conversation, and it was what our mob were talking about, and we were like, all right, how, let's do it, and we did this documentary. It got shown on NITV. It was on the website, um, and. We submitted it to a festival over in Canada uh, called Imaginative, um, and they selected our film along with uh, Daniel King's film, which uh, the name of it I can't uh, remember, but he was also part of it, and he interviewed like you know Uncle Jack Charles, um, uh, Subwarundri Mob, uh, Annie Carolyn Briggs. Yeah, she interviewed M- Manny Nicholson, who's a Wurundjeri. Uh, she also he also interviewed. Marikionis as well, so like, um, and got, you know, that got, kind of like did this kind of like avant-garde art, like kind of like real weird styles, like way of like um, telling the story of like Blackfellas' positions on on uh, treaty as well. It was cool. So yeah, we went over to Toronto and 
Wait, so you went there for yeah, the festival? Yeah, yeah, in 2019, yeah. Oh, wow. So the film came out and then, then we put it in and then like months later we were there. We just like saved up money, got some uh, grants, fundraised, and then we got over there, yeah. Yep, so did your did you guys win or? It wasn't like a, one of those, actually there were um, rewards for people who, so they give you like this little like ticket and it says like which session you're going into and what what films are playing in that session. So it'd be like an hour long session or an hour and a half and there'd be like four or five different films in there. Um, and ours being a short one, you know, it was done quite quickly. And it was funny because the one that we, ours was in, there's a lot of like, uh, I think, I don't know how old they were, but they were like either just in high school or still in primary school. So oh, they were really? still very young. But they were getting like this kind of like, you know, whole, they were getting to learn about like something from over here. Yeah. But there was like a, a film from up in the NT that was also in that, um, in that, uh, in that viewing. And I think they were like, I heard one of these young kids say like, oh, I'm going to select this film because I like the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, it was, yeah, it was actually a film about, um, and team mob and fracking. So I think it was like seed mob were involved in it. Yeah. Um, if no one's familiar with seed mob, seed indigenous youth climate network. We actually did a um, podcast with Millie. No, Jacob and oh, I can't remember his name. There's these two. Jacob used to work with us, and you'd probably know the other guy. He has a really difficult name to pronounce. But um, we did an interview with them about seed. Right on. Yeah, so they're they're two young uni boys. Um, yeah, and they were pretty deadly. So anyone listening, give that. Yeah, check them out. They're yeah. deadly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Rising Festival. Yeah, so Rising Festival, um, it's happening from the 28th of May, no, 26th of May to the f- 6th of June. And um, Yep. No, the 5th of June, sorry. And um, I, I, I was lucky enough to be part of the music programming team um, and help book some blackfellas on the lineup as well. So, um, you know, I was oh, part Oh, so it's not a blackfella festival? No, nah, nah, so there was oh, Year and Boy was. Festival okay, just yeah, before. Yeah. yeah. But um, it's, like a, it's like the festival. It's kind of like um, the old Melbourne International Arts Festival and right. White Night Festival, yeah. So now, yeah, they created this new festival called Rising. Yeah, I was part of like being able to get uh, get some people on the lineup as well. So do you work for them? Yeah, I work for them. Yeah. So that's your job. That's my my job three days a week. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was messaging Paul and I was like, wait, what's your actual job? Because not actual job, DJing is a job. But I was like, gee, what do you do during the week? So you do that three days a week. Yeah, I do that three days a week. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And is that throughout the year, full time? Um, not full time, but it's kind of like. Yeah, it's been since last year. So I joined the team like in October, October last year. Yeah. And um, originally they were going to launch the festival last year, but because of COVID, they couldn't release that program and, you know, the whole world shut down. So they had to rethink about how they will do the festival. They waited another year, which I think was smart. Um, and, you know, I guess because it's like that kind of festival, you, you can't do it digital. I think a lot of festivals tried doing the digital thing last year. I didn't. Year. I wasn't about that. Yeah. I guess we, we had to make do with what we had. Yeah. Um, 
in those hard times, but it's good to be out and about. It is good to be out and about. And I think this festival will remind everyone that like there's this, you know, this is kind of like bring the city alive and that's the purpose of this festival is just to give people something to do, you know, something to experience. Um, and, you know, the artists also get, you know, get to get paid as well and they get to come and like perform on these ven- in, at these venues which are really huge venues and some acts of like, you know, a lot of these Blackfella acts have never performed there before so it's going to be cool. Who did you book? So I booked Barker, uh, Don, uh, so- Soja Gang. Um, so that's on the 29th of May and then there's Sebi and Bayang on that one as well. They're not Blackfellas but they're cool. Yeah. Um, so where is that? Um, that's in Max Watts next Saturday. Oh, I've been there. Yeah, that's a cool. That's yeah, where that's skin, on skin, skin on yeah. skin. Yeah, yeah. That's a really cool venue if anyone's looking to do something. Yeah, they're Not, cool. They're, cool. Yeah. they're really good. And uh, booked actually. Um, he's uh, been on the podcast in the past. Uh, shout out Kobe D. Kobe D. Shout out. <laughs> Listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. uh, Dreaming now and um, Pookie and Soft Black Pussy as well. So um, she's a DJ and. Um, she's a black fella too, and I haven't heard of her. Yeah, she's cool. She's really cool. I'll have to check her follow. Her. Yeah, yeah. But um, is she from Melbourne? Yeah, based in Melbourne. Not from Melbourne, but yeah, based. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, that's um, pretty deadly. Yeah, so they're the acts that I put on, and it's not very public that I, I have. I let people know that I, I did that, but it's kind of like. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what because generally, not generally, but. A lot of people promote themselves through their Instagram now. Yeah. I find that these days when you want to connect to someone or I guess it's kind of your selling point. Yeah. In a lot of instances, especially in the music arts, sport, not really sports scene, I don't know much about that scene, but especially in the music and the arts, modeling, everything like that, your Instagram is your LinkedIn. Would you say LinkedIn? Yeah. I don't use LinkedIn, but that's what it is. (laughs) It is. So when I look at your Instagram, I'm like, oh, Paul's deadly, like he's doing all this DJ stuff. And then you send me your bio and it's just like- so yeah. much more than that. Yeah, I guess like um, I try and keep my Instagram wholesome as well. You know, photos of my little nibblings, my older siblings, like two little twins. So nibblings, if I don't know uh, many people know that word, but it's like the non-binary, uh, non-gender conforming word for, it's kind of like just not uh, just, uh, putting this like gendered term onto young kids. You know what I mean? I did not know that. Yeah, so Wait, it's kind of like. Explain that. So it's kind of like you know we say like nephew and niece. Yeah. Nibbling is like the same. So it's like, but it's just like, um, it's like we're not deciding what gender the kid is. You know what I mean? So wow. it's like we call them a nibbling, and it's like it's endearing, and and it's like, it's like in that family way, but it's also like we, we're we're not like imposing this gender stereotype onto you. Is that more, see, I've never heard of that. Yeah. There's a lot of things that I'm um, slowly trying to educate myself about because, you know, you can't be a master at everything. Like there's only so much you can know, but that's, yeah, that's really interesting. How did that come about? Like, do you, I don't know where that word came from, but a lot of people in, you know, the the queer and uh, trans community or, Blackfella community now, some people are starting to use it a lot more. And I think, yeah, it's really, it's quite a cute word. Like Nibbling. That's what I was like. like. I thought you, know you meant you like your sibling? little siblings. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. You know how we say sibling? Yeah. It's like, that's like, you know, not gendering the person yeah. as well. Well, I guess for someone that is trans or gay or of that community, I'm not, so I can't really talk on that, but going through that, 
especially if it's a gender issue, like it's a gender identity, being a young person and having gender issues. Well, not gender issues. How would you say it? Um, identity issues? Yeah, I guess kind of like. About your gender? Yeah, yeah. You'd be like, oh, I, wouldn't say, I don't know. It's like figuring out stuff. Figuring or, out stuff. Yeah, I guess. Or like, you know, you already know, but it's like there's not that language to kind of say yeah. things. Well, going through that, you would want to support other kids who may be not sure. So yeah. that's like for the next generation saying nibblings to make sure like if you actually want to be, you can be whatever you want to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. So I guess like it's hopefully, you know, more, more black fellas start using it because, you know, as we know, everything that black fellas have gone through is like colonial construct sometimes and, you know, gender is also a colonial construct. You know, we, we, we're actually using the English language like day to day. So, you know, and it's, it's not by our fault. So I think um, if we can, you know, decolonize these things that we, we do to, because, you know, historically, like we, sometimes we don't know what our people would have, would have used for like things like that. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's like kind of trying to um, unlearn these things that, we've been forced to learn yeah do you think it's important also to i guess give leniency on the fact that people may not want to change that like i have i think it's like yeah yeah i have aunties and uncles that call me nephew niece because they i reckon sometimes they don't remember my name because there's too many of us that's fine as well you know what i mean like that's okay like i reckon i I love it like you know like I love being a nephew to people and yeah. I think it's fine. I like, think there should be – I definitely think that there needs to be more acceptance Yeah. Um, or even if you don't like something, I think it's important for you to educate yourself on why and maybe why you don't understand. But I think it's also important for those people on the other side to be like, well, hey, if I, if I want to call my – you know, if I – just because you believe that doesn't mean I – have to, mm. and that shouldn't be automatically cancelled if it's not imposing on other people's happiness. That's it, yeah, yeah, Do you yeah. know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, there needs to be understanding and kind of... Uh, compassion as well. Compassion from both everyone who... Thingos, like, it's just... Yeah, like... But then there comes a point where it's like, all right, we need to move past um, some these old traditions from colonial ways where you know we if we have the tools we can mm. do it but we can deconstruct it yeah but then i don't i don't blame black fellas that just like you know their whole life they've been around this stuff like they you know like they don't have the the resources that i've been you know able to be part of like you know like growing up in melbourne or not growing up in Melbourne, but being like in my twenties in Melbourne, like oh, and at this day and age, like I've been, you know, a lot of privilege to be able to learn a lot of things that a lot of black fellas wouldn't oh, in other places. For so. sure, I mean, growing like not growing up in Alice Springs, but you go back to Alice Springs, and a lot of the mob there, like my family, are quite cons- wouldn't say conservative, but they just would not be of my knowledge a lot mm. of non-binary people and yeah. you know sh- like people you know how the new um, pronoun thing on instagram you can write she or her or they and them to um support that community mm. which is really awesome but i don't think that's a really like it's not common yeah big movement in Al- like up that way whereas melbourne's really progressive so it's about inclusiveness and equality 
Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, it comes back to that conversation we'll have earlier about, um, you know, if people aren't quick to learn about things, like it's important to not cancel them because, yeah. you know, it's it takes, a, you know, a lot, lot more time to just kind of like be learning. And if you're not already having an open mind, it's just like it may take longer to like be across some things and and that comes from like experience and where you grew up and you know f- for myself i was lucky to grow up in a with you know my little sisters uh you know gay and my older siblings queer like they'll i was able to like be okay to learn about yeah. things like in that in that way and you know we had, we had like you know gay people growing up in a like you know in our families or like uh, like in a family friends you know oh, what I mean for sure. so, I had like I think I had two gay aunties and one gay uncle I, and just that just wasn't yeah. normal to me but then if you have other families who have never grown up with that they may not understand or know until they kind of go through it that's it yeah and it's yeah so I guess it's all learning and I think um don't cancel no, everyone straight away <laughs> no yeah we can't cancel like yeah and especially we don't cancel black followers unless they're act- unless they're acting like a colonizer. Yeah. We cancel. No, we don't. <laughs> we cancel everyone who uh, doesn't follow Mob Talk. So, yeah. Yeah, and follow little PGZ. No, I don't. Yeah. don't. No, nah, do don't shout out. <laughs> <laughs> and grow to Black Ice. Oh, yeah, come to Black Ice if you want to. When is this going to air? Is this going to be aired before then? It's actually not. <laughs> so, if you're listening, I hope you had a really good time at Black Ice. <laughs> Yeah, we'll promote. We'll promote the Black Ice and then all you mob listening, if you went, I hope it, you had a deadly time. Yeah. And, oh, you know, yeah, had good yarns and everything and danced. With your whole body, <laughs> yeah. not just your fist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so our last question would be, if you were to give advice to your younger self, so you being you now, big PGZ, yeah. giving advice to little PGZ, what would it be? Um... Probably to like um, think more about my position in the world and kind of like where I, what, what kind of resources I have at hand to learn things and keep on learning. Maybe like I wish I learned things faster and gained knowledge quicker. But yeah. Um, my message is to just to keep on learning and try and better yourself faster. Always. <laughs> Self-love, yeah. self-care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just like, you know, think about the community I'm in and try and do everything I can to do stuff for that community. Always help out the mob. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, thanks for coming on today to Mob Talk. Thank you. It's been a pleasure and honour to have you on little PGZ. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Yep. Um, For everyone listening, hope you had a great time at Black Ice. If you went, if you didn't, stay deadly. Tune in. Thanks everyone for joining us on Mob Talk this week. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends and don't forget to chuck us a follow on Instagram. And we'll see you all for another yarn soon. (laughs) 